Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Home is what you make it. Home is what you make it, part one. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Home is what you make it, part one. Joshua 24, 15. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And this is a very popular passage, and you've probably heard this. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, when we're talking about family, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I have a family. I have two boys, but my oldest boy is three years old. So some of you, uh, you came in right now, and you've got teenagers that are going crazy, and uh, you have all kinds of questions, and, and, and you're saying, how are you going to help me? I'm going to tell you two, two ways I'm going to help you. One is we're going to go to the Word. Because my job in, in, in this spot, in, in this position, is to relay what the Word of God says for, as a framework in how we build, how we construct, and how we perceive our family. The second thing is, I had some of the most amazing parents uh, on, on the planet who raised five kids that all love Jesus and are all in full-time ministry serving the Lord. And so I'm just going to steal some of their thunder, and uh, I'm going to pass on to you some of the things that they did, some of the things that they said, and uh, this week I, I text my dad, and I said, Dad, I just need all your stuff, all your stuff on family. you got to give it to me. So he starts sending me document after document after document. I said, okay, I just need your best stuff. Let, let's just, let's clarify uh, what, what I mean here. And, and, and when, I, when I put the scripture with, with, with this series, and we'll read it every week, but it's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Th this is the question that I came across, and maybe a question that you've come across in saying this. It is way more simple, it's way easier to say this verse than to live it. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if it was just that? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, that sounds great, but how do you do that? That, that, that sounds amazing, but how do we actually see that play out? How do you see that when you're trying to raise teenagers? How, how, how do you see that? Some of those amens were a little too loud. Um, it says, so, 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 I mean, how, how does that actually play out? My desire and actuality, my dream and what has actually happened in my life, how do these two things come together? And I'm going to tell you, it is all wrapped up in the title of this series, Home is What You Make It. It's, it's what you make it. Psalm 127 verse 1 is going to be our text for today. And you've heard this scripture before. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And this tells me something. It tells me that I can say all I want unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. But if God is not the architect, the builder, the master project manager, then I am in trouble because the Bible says unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Let me just say it this way. Unless the Lord is the architect of your family, the parents labor in vain. Now, I'm going to help you with this scripture because it does not say that it's either you or God going to build the house. It says, if the Lord does, if the Lord, okay, Lord, you're building my family. And we sit back and we say, we've been saying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's just not happening. What happens is, this is this, is, this text, this, the context of this scripture is a place of position. 
that says, God, you are the builder. Not like you do the work, but you are the architect. You have laid out the blueprint. And if you don't lay out the blueprint, then what I do is in vain. I can try to do the right things. I can try to have the right principles. I can try to teach the right morals. But if you are not the architect, if you're not laying out the blueprint, then I am in trouble. And so this is where we're going to be today. Home is what you make it. And unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. You must build your home with an end goal in mind. See, this is what I see when I talk to a lot of families is that we build based on the issue that we're facing in that moment. We, we, we build according to where we are, but with no sight or no vision for the end goal. If you're going to build a house, you better know what the house is going to look like at the end. You do not build it gradually. Let's start with a laundry room. We got to do laundry. We need a place to sleep. Let's add a bedroom. And I'm really hungry. Now let's add on a kitchen. And, and, and you just start adding this. If you have no idea what the end goal is going to be, you'll have all the pieces, but they will be in disarray. You have to know what the end goal is. And this is what I call life behind the photograph. Because right here, I got a picture. I'm eating this, me and my boys and my wife, and you have it on the screen. And aren't pictures amazing? Because they capture a moment. They capture a beautiful moment. Now, you didn't see it. You didn't see Jude grab the sunglasses off my face and throw them to the ground right before this was taken. You see him smothering me with kisses. Because nobody sees what happens behind the photograph. And the, the problem, I think, in our relationships and with the family is that we try to present this as reality. But this is not reality. This is a picture of a moment that more resembles the goal than my actual day-to-day -day life. I wish I could tell you that my boys are always well-behaved. I wish I could tell you that my marriage is always perfect. I wish I could tell you that my boys are always well-dressed and put together, but they're not. We fix them like that. It's, they didn't come in with, with, with their hair all fixed. They came into my office looking like they just crawled out of bed, which they did. And then we fixed their hair so they could go into class. And people say, well, look at that. Oh, that's just amazing. Look at those cute kids. Look at that. And you know what? People do this to your families as well. They look at the picture. They look at Instagram. They look at Facebook. And they think, oh, my goodness. Look at this amazing family. They don't hear the fights. They don't hear how much you paid your kid to get in that photograph with you. Oh, you, you don't do that? You know when you're trying to get the perfect picture? I'm literally whispering in his ear right now. I will give you anything you want if you would just stay still for the picture. The things that we offer in a moment of photography is absolutely wild. I mean, it's like when you're 16, I'll buy you whatever car you want if you will just sit there for two minutes. I mean, it's just, it is wild the things that we begin to throw out. But there's life behind the photograph. And this is what I want to do. We put these pictures up for this series, but this is what I want to do. I want to go behind the scenes. I want, I want to go behind the picture. I want to go behind the photograph. And I'm going to tell you this. The church is a place where you should be able to be real. The church is a place where you should be able to drop the photograph and let people see your weakness because the Bible says, and we've been talking about this, that in his weakness, he is made strong. In our weakness. But yet, everything that we want to do is put our best foot forward and try to get people to notice or see or think that things are more together than they're not. I'm just going to say this. We all need help. We all have messes sometimes. Some of the best marriages in this room, they have issues. 
They have issues. You dig deep enough into anybody's life and anybody's relationship, and we all have issues. So I just want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. And your, your progress is closer than you think it is, but it starts with recognizing the areas of your life that are not perfect and that are not a picture and that are not a photograph and that we have to work on. I'm going to tell you this. You might be the only saved one in your family, and it doesn't mean you're without hope. You might be divorced. You, you, you might be alone, you might be, you, you might be a dad, uh, and, and your kids are not serving God. Whatever scenario, we were, when I was studying this week, I, I, was, I was looking at all this and the different types of families and all this, and whether it's blended, mended, or extended, God has a plan for you and for your family. And you've got a role to play in this home we make. Some of you are like, well, you know, I've got this family. I'm not their real dad. I'm their stepdad. No, you've got a role to play. You can still create a home. Well, I'm just, I'm a son, and, and I'm the only one that loves Jesus in my family. As a son, you have a role to play in the home that you build. A home is built through a process. It, it, it doesn't just happen one day. It doesn't just, wouldn't it be nice if the changes we want to see happen all, just all of a sudden? It is not like that. This is how God works is over time. He uses seasons and situations and circumstances to, to shape us and to change us, and he works over time. That's why whatever little job that I'm working on right now is important. I know we see the end goal of like what we want this family to be, and I see my boys grown and serving God, beautiful wives, beautiful children. I'm a grandfather. They're serving God. I mean, I, I can see the end goal, but that does not take away from my daily responsibility because it is the combination of daily choices that equal the end goal. If I don't build the foundation right, there is no way the roof's going on right. But many of us, we chase after the roof and the furnishings and the end but we neglect the day-to-day -day choices that make the home that we're about to live in. A home is built through a process. A successful or a happy home does not happen by accident. You know what, you know what I hear people say to me sometimes? They, they, they say, uh, well, if I had what you had, then I would. The excuses when it comes to our families are absolutely wild. I hear people say this all the time, well, if I had a mom and dad like you had, then I would. Do you know that every person has their own set of obstacles and their own journey that is difficult? Did you know that some of the most, the people with the most perfect life in this room have went through real pain? If you dive deep enough, they are some type of struggle. They could look perfect to you. But behind the photograph, behind the picture, there's real pain and there's real struggles. And you think, well, look at all I went through. Man, I don't have a life like they do. You don't know what they went through. I heard someone talking this last week and said, I'm just, you know, I, I don't really have a life uh, like so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, he hasn't really been through much, uh, but you know what, that, that's all right, and, and they're making all the excuses, but they actually don't know him, and I know him. And what no one knows is that he is in the midst of some of the biggest storms in his family's life, but what everyone sees is the photograph, and they're jealous I just wish I could be in that family. I wish I could not have problems like they don't have problems. But behind the photograph, everybody has issues, and a successful or happy home does not happen by accident. I was with some, some men in our church and Pastor Steve, and we went out uh, to, to see a ranch. 
that they were looking at. And, and uh, so we went out there, and, and this ranch has a huge house on it, and uh, I think it has six or seven bedrooms in, in this house. And so they said, hey, the good news is as a house, the bad news is the house was built over time. It was added on to about four or five different times. And I said, okay. I said, you know, what kind of shape is it in? It's like, it's not that great a shape. You know, they just kind of added things here and added things there. So I tried to get in my mind what I thought kind of it would look like. And we show up, and you go in the front door, and it, 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 it's wild. I mean, it literally is not even all the same floor. It's like you step down into this room, then you go up a half stairway into this little closet, which has no meaning, and then you go, you can get lost in this house. I mean, we were going around like, hello? Like, wait, because... What they did is they added on to with no goal in mind. They added by need instead of by strategy. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't know where you're going with your family, if you don't know what values you want in your children, if you don't know the direction that you're moving, you will add on haphazardly and you will be in a house you get lost in. And when you step back and look at it, you'll think, what did I do here? But those choices happen one day at a time. Small little choices, adding things on in the heat of a moment. So I'm going to tell you this over and over again through this series is home is what you make it. So I'm going to give you some things. These are really practical, and this series is way more practical than I even feel comfortable with. Uh, and I was having even a hard time as I studied it because th this, is, this is so practical. But you know what? This is where we're at. Th this is what we need. And, and, and I, I'd much rather prefer preaching uh, an expository message and, and, and all this. But I felt the Lord begin to speak to me about the importance and the need of the health of relationships and the health of the family unit. I believe that the family is under attack. I believe that marriages are under attack. It's why we're having a marriage conference. This, this is going to end. We're going to raise up healthy marriages and healthy families. No matter what we've been through, no matter what storm, no matter what difficulty, we're going to see God's will shine through in the midst of these situations, and we're going to create homes. So whether you're single in this place, whether you're married in this place, whether you're part of a blended, mended, or extended family, I want you to take some of these principles, very practical principles, and apply them to your house. I'm going to give you some ways that we tear our home down. Ways that we tear our home down. Number one is by what we expect. By putting unhealthy or unreal expectations on our home, we tear it down instead of build it up. It is easier to expect more from, our, from others than we do from ourselves. Do you know what? Whenever I'm dealing with family conflict, do you know what I always hear? I always hear about what they're doing. Right? It is always about what someone else is doing or what someone has failed to do. And I find this specifically with parenting is that we put such high expectations on our children that we live in a perpetual state of disappointment because we want them to be better. If you would step back and look at your kid, you'd be like, wow, they're amazing. But in the day-to-day, -day, the, the, the constant push and the constant uh, pull and the constant bickering and the constant nagging, and they can never feel like they're enough. Listen, you've got to let your children win. they got to know how they can win, and you have to celebrate a win. You, you know, this is a tendency of a dad a lot of times is because they, in, in a dad is a coach. And in coaching, you, you celebrate the win, but you also coach the win. But that's not a real celebration. So in, in other words, it's 
Wow, you did great at your game. Now, if you would have done, you just robbed your child of feeling the celebration that they should have felt. Every time you say but and every time you make a teaching lesson out of a celebration, the celebration just got diminished in their heart and in their life. Your expectations of them, although they should be high, should be attainable. And I'll tell you this, in marriage or in family relationships, almost all the frustration comes as a result of unmet expectations. I expected you, I, you know, I just expected when we got married that Jamie would put the toilet paper over the right way. <laughs> Who wants to reach up and, like, no, it goes, I just, had to, I just had to go through the church and tell everybody, hey, if everyone's putting toilet paper, anyone's putting toilet paper on, this is how we do it. Over the top. If you go to any bathroom stall in this church, it'll be over the top. That is the way we do it. That is the way. I don't know if it's right or not, but it's, it's right. It's, it's right. It's right now. I expected it. Do you, you know that your expectations are what sets you up for disappointment? Because if you expect your mom never to fail you, you have set yourself up for disappointment because she's human and she'll fail you. If you expect your child to never misbehave, you know, you know what I think is interesting? I think it's interesting that we acted like we did. But we expect because they have us as parents, they will never do what we did. That's unhealthy expectation. Some of you had amazing parents and you still acted like a fool. And yet we expect and we are crushed and so disappointed when our children will not rise to every expectation that we have. You know, I was just talking to a student the other day, and, and, and he said this. He said, I just don't know what I can do that would be enough for my dad. And it broke my heart. Expectations. Can, do your kids know what to do to win? Do they know what to do that you'll celebrate without a lesson? Or is every celebration tethered with a lesson? The majority of frustration in family comes from unmet, unmet expectations. The second thing is by what we focus on. By what we expect and by what we focus on. By focusing on all that is wrong and how everyone else needs to change, we cripple the progress of our home. I see this all the time is that the focus is not what can I do to make the problem better. The focus is if you would say it different or if you would listen different, or if you would respond different, or if you would parent different, and the focus, I'm going to tell you, this is a recipe on how to tear down your home. If you consistently focus on what everyone else should do to make your family and your life better, you are missing the point, because your focus has to be on the only thing in your life that you can control, and it's you. And every time you step out of what you can control and try to control someone else or something else, you are getting into an unhealthy rhythm and pattern. You can control you. That means my focus has to be on what I can do to be better. My focus has to be on what I can do to increase my own capacity to love and to father and to parent and to be a husband and to be all of the things that I am. When we focus on what someone else is doing, it pulls focus away from what we should be doing. I bought a house a couple years ago and we were remodeling it and, and I had a lot of people in and out of the house doing different projects. And you, you know what I found is uh, that was really important that the people that were coming to do the floor didn't do the painting. And the people that were doing the painting 
did not try to do the plumbing. Because they each had their specialty. And they were hired to do a job. But as soon as they begin to be job crossover, you begin to get a, a, a limited quality of excellence. But whenever everyone operated in their own gift and in their own talent and in their own specialty, we saw the best results. Let me say it this way. When you focus on what you can do, maybe you're the plumber in the family. You just need to plumb. Don't try to do the electrical. Don't try to do the landscaping. You got to do. So as a dad, you got to do your role. As a mom, you got to do your role. As a child, you got to find your role. And you know what that, that, that attitude that you carry is a focus on how I can be better. How, and I know there's all kinds of different situations. I'm giving you some very practical keys in your perspective that will begin to build your house. These are ways that we can tear it down by what we expect, by what we focus. And listen to this, by what we say. And I added this in here. And I was, going to use it, I was going to use an entire message on exactly what we say. But I'm going to try to just give you a little bit because it's too heavy to do a whole message. I'm going to say this, and, and we're all family, okay? I love you. We're all family. But I care about your family. And if you consistently have negative speaking, swearing, cursing, yelling, screaming in your home, you are tearing down what you're trying to build. If you consist, listen, there is no room in the marriage for screaming. There is no room in the marriage. I, I remember uh, we, we, uh, in a house that we used to live in when we moved here, uh, our, our neighbors would get in fights sometimes. And literally in our living room, you could hear them in their house yelling and screaming at each other. And it's like, you know, you just kind of sit there like, oh, man, should we go knock should we pray? Should we just turn the TV up louder? Like, like, what do you do in those situations? I'm just going to tell you, that is not, that yelling and screaming at each other, is, there's no place for it in the life of a believer. I know it's a bold statement, but there's no place. Well, you don't understand. She really gets on my nerves. No, you, 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 I totally understand. You don't do it other places. Well, you think you can just do it in your home? You think you can just do it to your kids? Do you know what that does to your child's spirit when you lift your voice and you use that negative speaking and you use names and you use blanket statements like you never? You know how many students that I've ministered to that have come to me and they need therapy and healing because they've always been told that they would never succeed, that they would never make it, that they would never serve God because their own child's development made them insecure, they tried to put down their child's development and told them, this walk with God will never last. Those type of words, the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. We have got to rid harsh speaking and negative speaking from our lives and from our language. I hear people all the time talk about swearing and, and, and this. Well, it's the only way I can really express myself. And I'm just going to tell you, if your intellect... Um, only allows you to think of, I'm smiling when I say it because I love you, only allows you to think of those words for optimum emotion, you just need to start reading the dictionary before you go to bed. Because those words carry weight. And you say, well, I didn't see the, I didn't see the effect in it. That's the home I grew up in. If you could step back and look at what that did to you, 
you would change it. You know what I find people say all the time? I never want to be like my dad. I never want to be like my mom. But do you know what almost always happens? They become what their mom or their dad was. Do you know how you do that? How do you know how you change that? You stop doing some of these really practical, general things. I stop tearing my house down by what I expect, what I focus, and what I say. The culture you live in is created by the way you're communicating, either verbally or non-verbally. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. For all those who needed a scripture on the other things that I just said, because I know some of you are just like, well, he just doesn't understand. Do not let any unwholesome, is that New Testament? Yes, New Testament. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Well, Pastor, I got an anger problem. Thank God we've exposed what is behind the photograph. Now let's deal with it. You don't have to live with the anger problem. You can get better. You don't have to live in this mess that we have created. We can get better. We can walk out of it. We can step out of it. 93% of communication is nonverbal. How you say something is as important as what you say. I'll prove it to you. When Jamie's making dinner and the boys are there, she'll tell the boys, hey, it's time to eat. And so let me just tell you how important your tone is, okay? They say, let's eat, Dad. Right? Time to eat. So you can say the same words with different tones and say this. Let's eat, Dad. Two different things. Let's eat, Dad. Come on, let's eat. Let's eat, Dad. Same words. See, this is why your tone's important. How you say something is as important as what you say. When when you're giving a consequence to your child... I'm just going to help you practically. When you're given a consequence, and this is what I saw my dad do, my mom do consistently in all of us kids. You don't need to be angry when you give a consequence. And this is, this is what they did. If they were angry, they would not discipline us. They would wait until they got into a position, a posture, an attitude of love, and then they would give us the consequence. Because a consequence should not come out of reaction or out of anger. It should come out of strategy with the end home inside that says, I'm going to discipline them because I want them to be. I'm not going to discipline them because I'm angry. I'm so mad right now. You are not, you're going to be grounded for the next week, no month, year, for the rest of your life. We don't stick to, you know what that is? That is, that's just smoke. Because I, I know it's getting heavy in here because I, this is all of us, okay? It's all right. Like, we're gonna, it's going to get better from here. We're going, we're going up. We're going to talk about how to build it. But this is the truth is we're creating something whether we think that we are or not. And we're creating a home in which we live. We're creating a home in which we will pass on to future generations. We're creating a legacy. And it's up to us how we build it. So let me give you how we build it up as we begin to wind down. Ways we build our home up. You build your home up by consistency. We build our home by consistently putting in work and making progress one day at a time. My parents were the most amazing examples of consistency that I could ever imagine. They were consistent day in and day out. If I was grounded for a week, guess how how long I was grounded? For a week. Nothing got out of it. Nothing I could do to get out of it. It was a week. Do you know what it taught me? It taught me to trust what they say. It taught me to listen when they say, I'm about to ground you. Because I knew that it wasn't an empty threat. 
or just frustration flying around the house. There was consistency. Consistency in your walk with Jesus. Consistency in love. Consistency in discipline. Consistency. Consistency. Your kids are shaped by your follow-through, not your warnings. You ever notice how the warnings escalate? Because you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do. You know, it's like, if you don't, you know, it's one thing. You're going to your room. They don't respond. If you don't, you're going to your room for a week. They don't respond. If you don't, I'm taking all your toys and I'm throwing them in the dumpster. No response. If you, and, and it gets bigger and bigger because we're not seeing the end goal. We're trying to get a response in the moment. We're trying to do an add-on. We're in front of people. And we want the photograph to look good. So we will we'll offer anything to try to get the behavior to look right. But we don't have the end goal. But every time you make a threat or a warning of a consequence and you do not follow through, you disintegrate the trust that your child has in you. Consistency. I was uh, cleaning the yard up a little bit yesterday, and, and uh, there was this huge pile of wood from a tree that had fallen down, and, and uh, so we'd cut it up, and I'd set it over um, in, in the side of the yard, and it's, I'm just, it's embarrassing, it's been like a year, okay, and for a year, I'm like, I'm going to get that tree out of there, and so, but it sat there, so yesterday, um, I wasn't taking it away, I was moving it to a different place to leave it, and um, so I was moving it to a different place in the yard, and underneath this uh, was like an entire family tree of mice. I mean, like a lot, a, like, like, like a lot. I'm not going to tell you. I mean, just like, and uh, I'm like paralyzed in fear. I, 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 I don't do so well in these situations, okay? So, um, in, and the Lord spoke to me in one second yesterday afternoon. He said, any area that's vacated will attract rodents. And because I'd left something alone for so long that it attracted something else. Any empty space that you're leaving in your life that you're not paying attention to. Well, I got an anger problem, but don't. No, no, you've got, you got to pay attention to it because things will move in to vacant places. By consistency, the second one is by growth. We build our home by making sure that we are growing and changing personally. The best testimony to your family is them seeing you make yourself better. Single people, people with unsaved families, hear me on this. You discipling your parents and they don't even know Jesus is not going to work. You've got to make yourself better. You've got to grow. You've got to let them see the change in you. Can I tell you, even going back to consistency, a change for a month is not a change. A change over years begins to draw the attention of everyone around you. I tell when I preach to young people all the time, you stand up on your lunch table and preaching the gospel is great, but if you don't live it the entire rest of the year, you have totally discredited your, loyal, your, your, your credibility before them because you can't keep the change. The greatest testimony is to keep the change. I would rather you make smaller changes and keep them than larger changes that you go back to where you came from. Growth. Growth, growth, which means I got to grow as a dad. I got to grow as a husband. I hear people say, well, I don't know if I need that marriage conference. Are you serious? Have you become so lulled in the comfort of what you have that you don't think that you can continue to grow and stretch yourself and become better? We have got to grow. If you want to build your house, if you want to build what God's given you, you've got to be committed to grow. You know when our marriage started to really work and to really grow is when we started to grow independent 
of one another. When I realized that I didn't have to disciple Jamie, that just could help somebody right there. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. I'm trying to make her better. I see the potential that's inside of her. She does not need me to pastor her. She needs me to be a husband. And when I begin to grow in my insufficiencies, the Holy Spirit begin to work on her. And when she began to grow in her insufficiencies, the Holy Spirit began to work on me. Do you know who's a better discipler than Jamie? The Holy Spirit. Do you know who's a better discipler than me? The Holy Spirit. So when we begin to focus on growing ourselves, we found ourselves growing together. It's amazing how this works. Did you know that you could be in the way of your spouse's growth? I'll just take it further. You could be in the way of your child's growth. If you're demanding something that you are not, you're in the way. If, if you want to see something, I was talking to youth pastors this week, and I told them this. If you want to see something in your students, you have to be it. And, and, and I see this all the time with parents. Have you heard this phrase? Do what I say, not as I. Hypocrisy. It's complete hypocrisy, and it's tearing our homes apart because we tell our kids to do something that we can't model before them. If you cannot discipline yourself to model what you're asking, then stop asking it of them because the only thing that you're doing is destroying your credibility as a parent. Ask them something and challenge them to do something that they see you growing in. Does it mean you have to be perfect? No. Have the humility to break down and say, son, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Your, your wife, honey, I'm sorry. I raised my voice. I should not speak like that. And you humble yourself. That growth is more attractive. It is more powerful than just doing things right all the time. I got to grow. I got to grow myself. You are the problem in your home. I love you. You are the problem in your home. And I'll tell you why. Because you're the only you're the only person, you're the only problem that you have the power to fix. So you're the problem. Any other problem that you're trying to make happen, you're controlling. You lead, you create, you create parameters and boundaries and consequence, but at the end of the day, you've got to grow. The third thing, the last thing, is by spirituality. This is the one that I think we get jacked up on the most. Because we want our kids to love Jesus, but Jesus to us is an add-on. Come on, kids. Act up. I mean, get ready. Don't act up. We're going to church. Put a smile on your face. And, and that's the spirituality. Is Sundays, you get a shot of spirituality. Do you know what my parents did that was just so incredible? Is there was seamless integration between our spirituality and our practical life. Everything we did was just connected. We went to church, and I'll just say this, we always went to church. We were never late for church. We never did not show up for church. We went to church sick. We went to church, which I don't recommend for our sake, selfishly. Uh, we went to church no matter what. We went to church. That was just a standard of our house. It was something we did. You know what it taught us as kids? There was seamless integration between life, church, and spirituality. And you know what? The only time we prayed was not in church. We prayed in our home. If somebody was sick, we prayed for them. 
we would get up in the mornings with my dad early in the mornings. He's an early riser. probably where I got it. And, 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 and we would have Bible study. We would have a verse of the day. We would have different. We, we put on our armor like every day for like seven, 17 years or something like this. My dad has an entire list of declarations that we would go through. And he sent them to me. I'm sure he's going to watch this and he wants me to share them. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I loved it. I just need a little more time. I said it for a lot of years. Some of you probably want them, and I'm going to get them to you because it is amazing. I put on the helmet of, of salvation, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and then you go through this whole thing in declarations over our lives. What they did is they just made seamless integration of our spiritual life and our practical life. So we never, ever felt like, okay, let's worship God now. Hey, let's be a Christian today. Hey, don't tell your church friends what we do at the house. Hey, never. It was just the same. They were amazing at it. We love church. We love God. All of my all of my siblings, we have never walked away from the Lord. We have never had a season where we where we walk, turned our back on him. We're all in full-time ministry. We all love Jesus. We all love the church. That's not because of us. That is because our mom and dad said this is the home that we're going to create and we are going to do it by the things that we talked about. They did not do the things that tear the house down and they did do the things that built the house. They put it together. And I'm just going to say this. You do not have to put on what is already a part of you. It's Sunday. Come on, kids. And we, you don't have to put it on if it's already a part of you. If it's already a part of what you do as a family. I'm going to say this as we close. Your remodel in your home, it starts today. The remodel in your house, the remodel in your family, get out the yellow tape. Mark around your life and just decide today that the remodel starts today. Well, Pastor, I don't live with my family and I'm just single. No, the remodel starts today. You can be able to, you can begin to create a home from your position in your extended family, in your parents, whether they're estranged or whether they're not. You can begin to create an atmosphere around your life that will affect who they are. The remodel starts today. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 says this, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish one tears hers down. I got these bricks right here. And when you're building a house, we see the photograph, we see the end result, but it's hard in the day by day. And this is where I want to land today because I feel like this is really important is that some of us, we think that we're just doing all right. So even sometimes, that's really heavy. Um, sometimes, even though we're building incorrectly, we'll let it go because we're busy. We'll let it go because at least it's still standing. But if you continue to build crooked and build wrong, do you know what I found out about remodel? is as soon as you, soon, the soonest you diagnose the problem, it is the cheapest to fix it right then. I also found out if you wait and you just keep on building, you'll get to the very top. And if your foundation is jacked up, do you know how expensive it is to go back and do remodel after they've already finished every other project? This is what most families do. Most marriages do this. I'm not getting counseling because it's worked for 17 years. And then you're on the brink of divorce. And you say, oh, 
No, no. You started building this thing wrong 17 years ago. Just because you had chemistry and you didn't have kids, you thought, oh, we can make it work. No. If the foundation is jacked up, eventually it will jack you up. You've got to go back to where you were. You've got to go back to the beginning. And the longer you wait the more expensive it is. And it is expensive, my friend. It is expensive to wait until something is so broken and so jacked up when you say, I don't know. And this is when we usually get marriages. Pastor, I don't know if there's hope. And honestly, sometimes I think in the back of my mind, if we could have had you five years ago, if, if you wouldn't have put this up every Sunday, and said, Pastor, I'm not getting my needs met. I'm broken. I got insufficiencies. I went, we could help then. But by the time we get kids, and by the time we get marriages, it is so expensive to repair that most people are not willing to tear it down. I'll give you one last thing, and we have to close. We were trying to remodel that building to fit more people, the, the old building, before we built this. And we were packed out in there. Some of you guys remember. It was, it was wild. And so we needed more space. So I, we met with architects and said, what can we do? And, and they said this. They said that the walls that I wanted to tear out were load-bearing walls, which means that if you tore those walls down, then the entire structure would collapse. And do you know what I find a lot of people doing? is they say, well, if I was just not married to her, or if my kid was just not them, and I'm going to tell you, every person in your family is load-bearing. You can work around them, you can remodel around them, but you can't remove them. you got to learn to work with the load-bearing walls that are there. And if God's given you a family, that's your load-bearing wall, sir. That's your load-bearing wall, ma'am. So you got to put your head down and figure out how do I work around and how do I create a home. And that means sometimes you got to go back and tear down old foundations and old things that you've built. And some of you, you probably need to leave here today and go humble yourself to your kids and say, I've been doing some things wrong, but I am going to start a remodel today. And we are going to make our home into what we want it to be. I'm not going to be perfect. This is not reality, but I'm going to tell you, this is a construction zone. We're going to start building, and we're going to start working. And I just think that the enemy is going to start quaking in his boots when he sees men of God and women of God start standing up and saying, we will make a home that will serve God. We are not just going to say it. We're not just going to declare it. We're going to make it. We're going to make a house that lifts their hands and serves their God. We're going to create legacy. We're going to create generation after generation after generation that will serve God. We can do this. We can do this. We can change the landscape of America by, by changing the family. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.